That Damn Toad, Part 1. The people in my neighborhood refer to me as the second Mrs. Roberts. Not that it matters much, because the mister is dead. He was a strange old fool who didn't listen to his own advice. I used to admire his strange quirkiness. Initially, it made me love him even more. It was his words of wisdom that I admonished. He was always passing them along to anyone who would listen. I grew weary of hearing him spout, Don't lick the toad. In a hundred years, no one's going to give a shit. Try everything once and some things twice, but if you try it a third time, it's a habit. Like I said, he was a strange old fool. And like I said, he didn't listen to his own advice, especially when it came to that damn toad. The habit caught him after all. Harry, a.k.a. Mr. Roberts, was my first husband, and he loved to drive. He would drive to Kingdom, coming back, always returning home, claiming he'd found some new relic or some piece of magic that was going to change the world. If you think about it, as I often do, it seems ironic. He always stated that he was sure that no matter what we did, no one was going to care in a hundred years. But it seems to me that Harry cared. He wanted to be remembered for something great. And I'll remember him all right, but not for greatness. Harry brought the toad home from one of his great adventures in Mexico. The way he described it, he'd been driving on paved roads, going nowhere in general. On impulse, he decided to detour onto a dirt road. Pure gut instinct, he said. He drove until the road ran out, parked his car, and decided to continue walking. He said he must have walked for over an hour before he saw a cave. Still feeling adventurous, he decided to enter. He walked back about a hundred meters or so and said the, the path then spread out into a giant yawn into an opening about the size of our living room. On the edges, where the path widened, there were stones that had been roughly cut into the shape of toads. Personally, I don't know how he knew they weren't frogs instead of toads, but he called them toads, and I believed him. I never knew Harry to lie to me and had no reason to doubt his telling of this particular adventure. He said he explored deeper into the cave. He relayed he had found some bones and some petroglyphs and nothing that kept his interest like those toads. Finally, his thoughts got the better of him, and he returned to the path's opening where the toads sat. He decided right then and there, he said, that one of those stone toads was coming home with him. And it did, all buckled nicely in his front seat until he reached the paved road. Then he decided he needed to hide it before making his way back home. He said when he crossed the border, the border patrol officers found the toad, looked right at it, and said nothing. He said it was like they didn't see a thing, like it was invisible to them. Harry said he took that as a sign that it was meant to be. I remember the night he brought the toad home. Harry arrived after dinner, and I was already home from volunteering and cozied up in my comfy chair reading Geoffrey Chaucer. He was my favorite author at the time. I tend to go through phases of favorite authors, and at that time, Chaucer was my favorite. Anyway, Harry bungled through the front door with his new treasure, the stone toad. I have to be honest, I didn't see a toad when I looked at it. I just saw a rock with a bunch of chiseled areas, like someone tried to do something fancy and failed. But it was one of those things, like when someone points out a face in your favorite tree. Once Harry pointed the toad out to me, that's all I could see. And then I couldn't understand how I didn't see it right away. The toad stood about a foot and a half tall and about 12 inches wide, all the way around its chunky body. It looked like someone had attempted to chisel it. Its surface was essentially little flat pock marks all the way around. Its chin jut out slightly beneath its bulbous eyes, and there were indentations for its two front legs, all of which were roughly chiseled. Despite its roughness, it actually looked as though someone put a lot of effort into making it. 
Harry said the other toad that was left behind was identical in every way, all the way down to each separate chisel mark. He said he thought of taking the twins, but decided upon taking just one of them. He wasn't sure why, just another one of his moments of trust the gut. Harry thought about putting the toad outside the front door of our house, but he feared that someone would steal it. So he decided to keep it in the kitchen where it would greet him every morning with his morning coffee. The toad sat front and center on the kitchen counter, so I had to see it every morning as well. It didn't really bother me at first, but that didn't take long to change. That damn toad was soon the topic of every conversation with Harry. He was convinced that it had some kind of supernatural powers, and he was just the guy to figure out how to unlock them. He reasoned why else would it have called to him and essentially begged him to take it home. In that regard, Harry appeared to have some insight. The toad did harbor powers, and apparently Harry was the right guy to figure out how to unlock them. He experimented with everything from rubbing it like a genie lamp to taking it into the shower with him. He found old chants and read to it and tried singing to it. One night he even decided he needed to sleep with it just in case its magic only worked in the middle of the night. He said it took him about a month before he figured it out. I have no idea how it crossed his mind to lick that damn toad, but that was what did it. And I don't know how he figured out to add a wish with his lick, but he did. Nothing, and I do mean nothing, was the same after that. If I think about it, I mean, honestly, why would I ever in a million years believe that a weird stone toad found somewhere in a cave in Mexico would hold any kind of magic? I consider myself to be a sensible person. And so as a sensible person, I just thought Harry was being his old fool, his old fool self. And he'd find something else to interest him, given him enough time. But that didn't happen. That damn toad consumed most of the time before Harry discovered the magic, and then it consumed all of his time. Harry said the trick was never to lick the same place twice. That's why he said he drew out a diagram and kept diligent track of each lick. It was when I saw the diagram and asked him about it that he told me he had already been licking that damn toad for a few weeks. Harry said he only wished for small things at first, and I don't think it either of us realize until much, much later that the universe has a way of evening itself out. Like Newton's third law of motion, for every action there's equal and opposite reaction. Harry never told me when he started wishing for bigger stuff after the testing the water, so to speak. But if I think back on it, and I quite often do, I think one of the first major things that Harry wished for was his car to have no mechanical issues at all. As much driving as he did, he was always fixing something. Then just one day, he states he wasn't going to have to worry about fixing his car ever again. I asked him why not, and he just smiled and gave me a wink and said, I'll never tell. And when you've been together over 20 years like Harry and I had been at the time, you understand those winks and just let stuff go. At that time, neither of us made the connection of Harry's spectacularly fine-running vehicle and the constant breakdowns the neighbor started experiencing with his own car. Thing of it was, the neighbor had a Lexus that he loved. That car, even though it was only two years old, turned into a money-hungry beast. I have to admit, Harry was smart about the whole thing. He didn't want to draw attention to himself or our home. Mostly, I think it was out of fear that someone would make a connection between any perceived good fortune and that damn toad. Most of the time, he just wished for small stuff that he thought would make his life easier. Notice I said his life, not our life. One time, and I'm pretty sure this was Harry's doing, he must have wished that he didn't have to do the dishes. 
Now, Harry and I had been together a very long time, so we had a good system, especially when it came to household chores. When it came to doing dishes, Harry would use the dishwasher, and I always preferred to wash dishes by hand. I just think they get cleaner that way. So we split the days. Harry did dishes three days, and I did them four, and we'd switch the next, next week, and, and, you know, back again, and so on. Well, it just so happens that on one of Harry's dishwasher days, the damn thing broke down. Guess who was doing dishes forever after that day? I called a repair company and even purchased several new dishwashers, but no matter how many times an attempt was made, the repair guy couldn't fix it and no dishwasher brought into the house ever worked. Like I said, Harry just wished for little stuff that he thought would make his life easier. Oh sure, he wished for money in his bank account. We each had our own personal accounts and one joint account that we each contributed to monthly. I don't know how the universe equaled that one out, but I was just happy it didn't deduct from my account to feed into his. How would we have ever explained that one to the bank, especially if it worked like the dishwasher episode? So Harry's personal account magically had regular, moderate deposits each month, not large enough to call attention to, that he didn't make himself, well, technically. I asked him to do the same for me, as that would be the gentlemanly thing to do. And I remember just staring at him with a blank look on my face when he said, lick the toad yourself if you want stuff, but I'm not wasting my wishes on you. Like I said, nothing was the same after he started his licking. Harry had been generous and kind when we were together. That damn toad made him selfish and greedy. So things carried on like that for a while. But then one day, I noticed I had been doing an awful lot of catering on Harry. I was doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, bringing his meals as he sat outside or in front of the TV. He did very little adventuring once he was able to simply wish for things. Quite honestly, I thought he must have been depressed. Like that old adage, be careful what you wish for. He had everything and now no more reason to explore the world. And I think he got bored. Hence the wish he made for having a doting wife. Oh, I don't know if those were his exact words. He never admitted to such a thing. And I didn't bother to ask. It was like waking from a dream. One day I felt my normal self going on about my everyday stuff. The next thing I remember, I found myself bringing Harry his tea as he sat on the front porch just watching the traffic go by. I can remember the past several months and see myself doing everything for him. My God, he even had me trimming his gross toenails for him. Ugh. With that realization, I decided enough was enough. Maybe it just took a while for my free will to kick in. Or maybe the toad magic had a timer and eventually wore off. I can't say either way. But I hope that it was my free will finally kicking in. I'd hate to think that all of Harry's wishes would eventually just fade away. I sat on the stool in front of the kitchen counter. The stone toad sat in front of me where I could reach out and lovingly stroke it. I'd grown a new appreciation for the toad in the months following my first lick in Harry's death. I sipped my coffee while gently stroking the toad's head. I really had everything I needed since I was Harry's only sole survivor. I had to admit the toad had a quality to it that I just couldn't explain. And this morning, the temptation for a second lick hung thick in the air.